Hi guys and welcome to the latest episode of the Rugby Collective podcast. Once again joined with James Seagrave as we take a look at the Premiership action. Might be a little bit of a shorter one today as we've only got a few Premiership games to look at and not too much news outside of it. But James, with me as always, how are we? Yeah, good mate. We had a little run around on the weekend, didn't we? Um, yeah. Social team. Tried um, it back out. Had a go, realised how unfit I was. Jumped on I mean, the side, got yeah, a bottle of port. You only played half a game, didn't you? Uh, yeah, about that, about that half a game, half a shoulder. So that suited me. <laughs> it's all good. What did we get beat? 150 nil, something like that. Uh well, it wasn't ideal. But then the pitch we played in basically a field. So it was. <laughs> it was, yeah. Shout out to uh, to Westbury. Um, great hosts. However, don't have a lawnmower, so have literal sheep that go around and eat the grass for them. And I really do wish I was joking, but credit to them. Great. Um, Great game and good good host. Even put a little barbecue on after, didn't they? So credit to him. It was a lovely, lovely hot dog that I uh, took a little bit of time out of my rigorous diet for. Um, just let me have a little bit of a treat hot dog after a, a 10-minute run around. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was straight off to uh, King's Home after to watch a bit of uh, a bit of rugby, which was great. And uh, as you know, as Gloucester fans, we uh, certainly enjoyed that one. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um but the first game that had real relevance for the weekend was the Northampton versus Harlequins game. Northampton with a 32 points to 31 um, win over Harlequins. What a, what a game that was, by the way. Yeah, massive for Saints season. Um, like when you looked at uh, the, the, the game going into it, well, I think in our predictions, you predicted Northampton, but I think I predicted Quinns. So, um, Wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, to beat... To beat the um, to beat them at well, beat Quinns at any point is uh, is impressive, uh, impressive, impressive. But to come behind, come from behind late, sorry, is really good because you think Quinns are uh, normally the team that finish really strong and uh, and uh, um, might not start too well but finish well. So for Saints to hold on, and obviously they had their young 10 because Bigger was still out, so James Grayson slot in. Um, the penalty in what was it the last minute or something? So yeah, it was around that one, close to. Really good. I mean, as Gloucester fans, well, I'm impartial. We're impartial. We're not Gloucester fans when we're doing the Always. We're impartial. Always. But it was a bit of disappointing. Um, would have, would have, it would have helped us out a lot had Quinns managed to hold out. And to be honest, it would Quinns must. Well, I don't think they're really worried, but they've still got. They've got. Is it Gloucester and Exeter to play? Um, Who's this? Sorry, Northampton. No, Quinns. Quinns. Uh, so yeah, so Quinns have now got Gloucester away. Uh, Gloucester at home. Sorry, next weekend, and then Exeter at, away on the final game of the the season. So yeah. not an easy running by any means. Not an easy running. So I mean, it's not beyond the rounds of possibility they could drop out of drop out of the top four now. Um, You'd still heavily back them, but if Gloucester um, can beat them and Sarries, and Northampton can beat Sarries, no, who's Northampton got? Newcastle, which you'd expect them to win, and, and then Sarries away, yeah. away from home in the next game week. Yeah, so if you, if they can beat those two, um, well, I mean, you're looking they, at a, you're looking at a six point difference between Northampton. Well, I suppose it doesn't really matter where Northampton are. Does it? It's more where Gloucester are because they're the the further further team away. I certainly don't think Exeter will catch them now. It's, well, it's mathematically not possible for Exeter to catch them now. Um, Gloucester would have to make up a seven point deficit over the two games, so that'd be two Quinns defeats, wouldn't it? And and two. Well, that's what I, that's kind wins. of what I was getting at. They had Northampton, Gloucester, and Exeter, which going into this game week looked like they were the three teams who were going for top four. Um, so technically, if they lost, if they lose all three of those, then it's very much in their hands. So it'll be annoying for Quinns, especially as yeah, if they'd won that game, then they pretty much guaranteed top four. Um, so they have to put a full strength team out against Gloucester, I guess, to try and cement that. But then also saying that we, it, you said about um, Gloucester and Northampton both have to go to Saris. Saris are still chasing top spot, so they're not going to be making it any easier for them. So you'd expect Quinns to be fairly comfortably there. Um, but yeah, good 
good game, really. We always said it was going to be a good game between these two, didn't we? Uh, exciting rugby that they both play. Um, a bit, a bit missing in the defending side. But Northampton, especially that first half, I don't know if you watched it, but the first half, they just seemed to get on top and just control the game. And that pretty much all facets of the game really dominated. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think you mentioned Grayson there. A lot of people would have thought Dan Bigger go out and think, oh, Bigger's out an important sort of time of the season. Are they going to really miss that? But you look at the way Grayson's played when he's filled in, in that 10 shirt, and I think he's been fantastic. Um, he's been a proper consistent. He can run with the ball. He's good off the boot. Um, great when he's he's kicking for the, for the post too. And I think bigger leaving in previous seasons has been a bit of an issue because of the presence he holds. Now, since he's come out, James Grayson is a great player to come in and fill that that hole, if you like, and and take that forward, which I think is amazing. I think you tie that with Alex Mitchell at nine. I've said this before on the podcast as a bit of speculation, or do I think so? Maybe, maybe not. I'm locking it in now. I think Alex Mitchell is the best nine in the Prem. Um, genuinely think he's, he's really, really top. Um, yeah, I, I think those two, if you can keep them... And a half when you've got, well, I think some of the best nines in the world in this league. Um, one being Faf de Klerk. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, no, I would disagree, but I do really like Mitchell. Um, I think he adds a dimension to the game. I think that's another thing with Northampton. You look at their backs and they're all really fast, really elusive runners. And it's just, and but they all can hit hard as well. So they can all run a hard line, like you like to Hutchinson. Um, and, and yeah, you put them together and they're not easy to tackle. No, none of their backline is uh, easy. Oh, they're just going to run it in hard. Oh, we'll tackle him here. Like all of them, will, they'll step around you. They'll gash you. So it makes it a horrible, horrible time to play against because you don't know where you're going. They ran Quinn ragged in that first half. I actually turned it off at half time and watched right at the end again. Um, so I missed the second half, but I guess the only annoying thing for Northampton will be having given up that 26-17 lead that they had at half time. Yeah, that's that's it. And this, to be honest, I think you, you mentioned um, Hutchinson then. What an underrated player. We've seen him filling at 15 recently. He can play 12. A lot of people prefer him in the 13 channel with a bit of extra room. Pretty sure he can play on the wing too. Great, great. One of those just underrated players that never really is is at the forefront of, of international call-ups, but he just quietly goes about his business week in, week out. And players like that are just incredibly useful. Um, I do want to touch back on the nine just quickly before we move on again. I think if you're looking at the uh looking at it from an England dimension, once you what I like about Alex Mitchell is he can pass that ball out really quick and he gets there and he's got the energy to, to keep that ball and the pace of the game really, really flowing fast. But what I like about him too is he can sit just off of the line. So if that ball comes out to him, he almost, almost dictates like a fly half, which I think is something that England miss at the moment. I think if you're looking at Randall and Quirk, you've got fantastic, quick-thinking, electrically-paced scrum halves there. However, what Mitchell brings is he brings that I'd say Mitchell's the best kicker in the uh, out of the three. I think the the way he controls the tempo of the game with his kicking utilizes space. There was a a fifty twenty two he got against Gloucester where he kicked it. That there was defensive cover there and he kicked it sort of on a on a sideways angle and he floated it just over the top and bounced it and literally it had to be about two inches, three inches of room. And you've got that, but then you've also got the playmaking side of things as well. And I think you team him up with someone like Marcus Smith. And I think you have an unbelievable playmaking duo there. Um, I think... That, like a set piece. Yeah, I think he's brilliant. But I think, as well, one of the things Eddie Jones may have missed a trick with, if you're trying to settle in this... Mar uh, in Marcus... Uh, in Marcus... No, settles Marcus Smith into this England team, I think you look at the, his opposite man and Danny Kerr, he's still doing a hell of a job. He's been one of the form nines for the last couple of years, really, in, in the Prem. I think he should have had a shout in the England team, if only just for the connection with Marcus Smith. They play with each other all the time. Yeah, especially he's got Dombrow at eight as well. You've got that three-player connection. They they all could all link up. They're used to playing with each other week in, week out. And obviously, they've been so dangerous for Quinns. So I think now it's not needed as much because Smith has kind of settled. We saw the, the, the recent Six Nations where he was England's best player by a long way, that he's kind of settled into this team. But I think Danny Kerr, 
he's harsh to he's been harshly done by to not have more England caps. Yeah, I would agree with that. The only thing is, is Danny Kerr's discipline record this season has not been great, hasn't he? Got he like got the, the, he got the record, didn't he? Yeah, I was going to say I thought he did. Yeah, credit to him. I said I have a record. Well done, Danny. (laughs) Typical scrum half as well, a lot of those yellow cards. Um, But no, credit to him. What a record to hold. But no, I I do completely get what you mean. And if you're looking for an all-round nine, I mean, Danny Kerr's surely got to be top of that list, doesn't he? Um, Yeah, fits fits the bill all around. So credit um, credit to Saints. I thought they were fantastic. A little bit of a debate and controversy whether they should have had the penalty um, in the later stages of the match but again what can you do it's been given it's it's done and it leaves us with a hell of a um, uh, a top four race um, it, it's turned slightly more into a, a two horse race now we will go over some of the other fixtures but I want to skip across to the Gloucester Bath game as this is the they are the, the closest contenders now aren't they um, Gloucester to overthrow Northampton for that fourth spot um, 64 nil. Uh, yeah, what what is there to say about that? I've seen a lot of people give Bath a lot of stick, and probably rightly so, because being 64 nil in your biggest derby is not good. Um, but I think Gloucester deserve a lot of credit, especially for that first half. Bath actually had quite a few opportunities, and we've sort of stringing together a lot of decent phases, which I don't think many people are talking about because it's been overshadowed by the score. But Gloucester's defence was quite frankly brilliant to to stop that and get them sort of keep them away from any points at all um so yeah i thought that was a a great um a, a great point for gloucester so yeah i um yeah that that's 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 one thing i would really like to say um but yeah overall what a shambles from bath really yeah, we had a load of records go in this game, didn't you? I think it's Gloucester's biggest ever victory in the league. Bath's biggest ever defeat. Um, loads of other ones that went uh, first time, I think, in 10 years or something like that, that Bath have been nilled. So, yeah, it, it was a really dark day for Bath. But Gloucester, yeah, I think they do deserve credit. I think um, I think the thing for Bath, you, you, you add it at, what was it, 24 nil at halftime? And you kind of, you're like, okay, they've been awful, but they couldn't do any worse in the second half. I thought, I kind of think, and I think as a Gloucester fan, over the years, you've had a lot of comebacks and, and teams come back at you. Even in the last 10 minutes, you've two tries ahead and teams have come back and won the game. So you weren't fully comfortable. You thought, ah, oh, Bath, they've got quality players there. There's no doubt about it. Multiple caps, uh, capped players in that team. Um. So you thought at some point Bath were going to click, but they didn't at all. Um, and and if anything, they were worse in the second half. Well, they were. I, or, I don't know if they were worse in the second half, to be honest, or if Gloucester just stepped it up a little bit. But Gloucester were awesome. Um, it was a proper full 80 minute. And the determination from that team to not let concede, they, they spoke about it on the commentary where they were, after about 50 minutes or so, where it was so one-sided, where it was about 40, I think it was about 40 at the time, 40 now. And they were like, how do you do you make this so that it doesn't just become a bit of a barbars game where you just start throwing it round and, and nothing really sticks and it, and it just kind of peters out the game. And they said the concentration you need to have to f- fulfil the fixture and make sure that you really go and hammer it home. And that's what Gloucester did, um, defending to the last minute, making sure Bath didn't score a single point. Um, and even in the first half, when Alemano um, managed to get hold of Tom Dunn and hold him up over the line, I mean, that was a bit of um, brilliance there. But yeah, I thought Gloucester were really good. Some of the attacks as well. Harris and Atkinson, one of the most probably underrated uh, centre partnerships in the Prem, um, just ripped them a new one, really. Um, and to be honest, in the first half, I think Gloucester would have won by more because you look, they scored 40 in the second half, but 24 in the first. I think there was at least two tries where, uh, well, they got, I think, three disallowed in the first half. And two of them were uh, the the Rees-Samit one and the Harris one. If they just passed one wider, they would have 100% scored. So they missed two pretty much sitters as it was. They definitely left two or three out there, didn't they? And I think, for me, a lot of people getting credit for that game, rightly so. Atkinson, Hastings was brilliant. Zam had another great game. 
Hastings um, kicking was a bit dodge. I, I do think that as well. When it was 24 0 at half time, and what had Hastings was missed two penalties and a uh, two conversions and a penalty. Yeah, you I were think kind so. of like, 31 0 at half time. You're kind of comfortable. You know, you, you know the te- other team's not coming back. 24 0, you were kind of a bit like, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. No, but apart from that, though, I thought Hastings in game play was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I thought his ability to take it to the line and if the pass isn't on, he then he's got the the footwork to have that little quick step, get around someone, and then play it off, or even just take the contact. We saw him get up, his ribs get absolutely tickled a couple of times, um, but he, he took it and he got back up, and then he, he play makes off the next phase. So, um, his off an L by Underhill. Yeah, he did almost. I thought that was a uh, pretty uh, reckless, but I think it it actually looked a little bit worse in real time than it did. Um, afterwards but no amazing shift from Gloucester needed a five-point win to um to stick in this top four race um I think most people even if Gloucester don't get top four to get in I think we've we've figured out their confirmed top eight now haven't we um which will we we believe will be getting a enough for European rugby um so hopefully that'll be uh well there's no hopefully about it that's a um it's a great improvement for Gloucester and a lot of people would say the goal of this season was to not finish in the bottom two or three. So to be in a top four battle is huge. Um, So they sit just one point behind Northampton now. Uh, Northampton have got Saracens and Newcastle to play and Gloucester have got Quinns and Saracens to play. So it's going to be a really, really tasty end to the season. Yeah, I think for Bath, that's, that's the problem. You look at the internationals they've got in their squad, the likes of Jonathan Joseph, Danny Cipriani, Tom Dunn. They've got experience in that team and 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 these are all experienced players. I know Tom Dunn was seen on the pitch right after uh, having a big, well, it looked like argument with Stuart Hooper. Um, but you'd think they just have a bit of pride, if nothing else, um, going out, just putting in a few big hits. The only player I can say that really looked like up for it or wanted it at all was Sam Underhill. Um, none of the other players really looked that arsed. And to lose what is your biggest derby that heavily, it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. You, I think you just got to have a bit more heart. Because I think of all those bar fans that travelled up or are watching on the telly, like, you just hope that your team would have a bit more fight in them, I think. Yeah, one thing that's sort of done my head in recently is people saying, oh, this is a product of no relegation. If there was relegation, these matches weren't wouldn't happen. But that makes you question the integrity of the players. Like, if... if uh, Try telling a bunch of paying fans that if your team might be relegated, they're going to play better because they don't want to be relegated. Really, they're going out, they're playing their rivals. They're in front of 15,000 people, more or less. Do you know what I mean? You're going to be wanting... You're a professional athlete. That's what you're paid to do. You want to be put in a, a top four... Well, you want to be put in a, a top sort of performance in regardless of whether there's relegation or whether it's for top four or anything like that. You've got to be going out with the same mentality week in, week out. Um, but no, it was poor. I'd agree. Underhill, I thought, was good. Um, ben Spencer had a decent first half, I thought. Um, but yeah, I think that was about it. But you look at the back row, man. You just got, you've got stars all over the place. You've got Joe Cook and the senior on the wing. Um, news that Anthony Watson's probably going to be going to Leicester for the start of next season, which is a great signing for Leicester, I think, should you get much game time out of him. Um, yes, it's, it's crazy. And it's, it is a shame for Bath. Um, but the, the thing I will say with Bath is they have games like this and they'll, they'll have this awful season but they still, you wouldn't put it past them for next season when Van Graag comes in to, to have a fantastic season next year with the players they've got So, Well I think you've surely got to get rid of I'd if it was me personally I'd get rid of the whole coaching staff from this season I know that they want to keep hold of the likes of Stuart Hooper but on days like that how can you Look at that coaching staff and think any of them deserve this. And obviously, the new defense coach has already come in. Uh, that looks good, doesn't it? That looks like it works. It's certainly not taking, uh, <laughs> it's certainly not taking effect yet. <laughs> um, but no, it is a shame. Um, and one thing I do want to say on this on this topic before we move on, um, the fact Jamal Ford Robinson's try hasn't gone up for try of the week is an absolute abomination. Um, yeah, no, what a try. Individually travelled, what, about 120 metres there to, to get into the corner? Um, just blistering pace. It's got to be It's got to be at least a mile and a half, hasn't it, he's run there? Just yeah. to get through. He's got and at about 30 miles an hour, he's flying. 
yeah, he is absolutely taking off there. The flames were starting on the back of his boots. It was a uh, yeah. In all, all serious note, it was a great it was a great try to see him go over in the corner. Um, so yeah, fantastic effort. Was that his first try for Gloucester? Oh, good question. I don't think so. However, he could you know. He's not prolific, is he? Bless him. But um, but no, what if it, it was his first? What a way to score his first. Um, yeah, I know. But I'm sure he probably has scored before. Um, those those Gloucester front row tend to get quite a few, um, especially through the, the beginning of the season. Um, but no, top four battle arm, um, huge result there. Um, in terms of the battle for top eight, one of the biggest fixtures this weekend was London Irish versus Wasps. Um, Wasps seems to be in the driving seat, had the ball at the back of a ruck, ready to kick out. All of a sudden, a huge, huge surge from London Irish came through cleared all of the Wasps out, and then they, they got a penalty and put it in the corner and scored. Um, 42-42. And credit to you, you did call it. I know you're about to go get all the, the cocky comments out, but credit to you, you did call a, um, a, a London Irish draw again. So, fair play. Um, what, what a result for them. And Wasps will be kicking themselves because you think that is now their top four battle over. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did say... Uh, yeah, I did say high score draw. Um, and with 15 minutes left, I think I looked a bit of a prat, really, because what was it? 42 15, something like well, no, 38 39 15, um, something like that. So, Irish had no right to get a draw. And Wasps, what the hell are you doing? Uh, <laughs> let's be that is some of the worst game management I've seen. Um, but I think. To be honest, this whole game was a bit of a microcosm of both of their seasons. Irish concede way too many points. And if they want to be a consistent force at the top, um, then they have to uh, stop shedding so many points. But they do have a really good never-say-die attitude in their squad. And Wasps are just way, way too inconsistent. They can have the highs of... They were ripping Irish to shreds for the first 60, 65 minutes. And really, just boss them like, at Irish, which is we know from this season is a hard place to go. Um, but yeah, for the last fifteen, they just fell apart, couldn't tackle anything, just had no control in the game. And we were talking about nines earlier on, but I think this game summed it up. It's no coincidence where it all fell apart. Dan Robson went off, and Wasp pretty much fell apart. He was so so good, controlled everything for them. And for me, he arguably be. In, in a shout for that England jersey. I think he's world class. Well, yeah, I'd probably say he's world class. When he On his day, he is so good. He controls the game. He can dart. He can do everything. He kicks. Um, yeah, I, I really, really like Hamilton. Yeah, I agree. And it, it surprised me. And I know he hasn't been in the best form this season in comparison to his usual world-class high standards. But the amount of Wasps fans that have been calling him for him to go so Porter can develop more, I think he's incredible, really. Um, obviously, they probably watch him a lot more than I do, but from from, uh, from when I see him... Get him in a Gloucester shirt. <laughs> yeah, we'll take him back, no problem at all. That's absolutely fine. Um, I think you flip that, though, when Henry Arundel comes on. Um, yeah, the, the plaudits have all been uh, going... Uh, pundits have all been going mental for him recently, and I think that game showed why. Just brings such a directness as well as such a an energy to that team. And I really don't think it's going to be too long before he's in this England setup. Um, we spoke about it before the Six Nations, the the sort of back three options you've got for um, for England coming through. You've now got Freddie Stewart, Aaron Val, Malins, Tommy Freeman, uh, Caden Murley. You, you've got so many, so many stars coming through in that back line that I really do think uh, England are going to be a powerhouse soon. And I think Aaron has got to be a part of it. Um, imagine him and... Uh, Freddie Stewart rotating us to 15 options. That suits me down to the ground. So, Well, yeah, I think actually. looking at his pace, you'd probably start him on the wing. We haven't got any solidified wingers right now, I don't think. So he's got the gas more than Stewart, I think. Um, so you just whack him on the wing. Yeah, I would not mind that at all. I, I, yeah, uh, I, I can't wait yeah. to see him involved. What I didn't get from Wasp's perspective was the way he, they just kept... Like letting Irish run back at them and and play in an open broken field more. Well, they should have just shut the game down completely. Um, 
but you had the likes of Albert Tuasui running in hard lines and you've got the gas they've got out back with the likes of Hassel Collins. Um, How yeah. good is he one as well? Uh, you rate him a lot higher than I do. Uh, I think he's mint. And also, oh, my hard line from Tuasui. Wow. Yeah. Not even a hard line. What, what am I saying? Not even a hard line. Just picked up the ball and ran straight for a long time. <laughs> straight into contact. Absolutely sent the poor fella onto his arse. Yeah, mental. Do not want to do not want to be in the way of that man when he's carrying. What an absolute mm. unit. No, no, indeed. Um I still I think we should put a poll up at some point on one of our socials. Uh for me, I would we've had this discussion before, but for me, I would have uh I can't even remember his name. Murley, Caden Murley. I would have him in the England team. Uh, they were talking about it on Friday night, actually, on the comms, about how good he's been and how many tries he's scored and how he's everywhere. If he's not scoring, he's setting up tries. Um, I'd have Caden Murley over Hassel Collins, but you you would argue against that. I probably would, yeah. There's, there's no discredit to Caden Murley because I think he's unbelievable. And I think the strength he carries, he's probably pound for pound one of the strongest players um, in the league, just the way he carries and the way he tackles too. Um, I just think Hassel, Hassel Collins makes so much out of nothing. Um, we often see Murley playing in a load of space, which has been created by the the excellence of the the backs and the forwards in front of him. Um, whereas we see Hassel Collins have the ball out wide a lot when he just carves out his own room and then sets up a lot of tries as well. So, but again, he I would not be mad looking. if I saw either of those um, in an England shirt come the uh, come the autumn. I think, well. Murley scored more this season, so just say. And he's got the Marcus Smith link up. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's Murley. But maybe we'll get a poll on the socials, see what other people are saying. Um, see, the type of bloke I am now, you've now said that, which means when I go to bed, I will be now studying a lot of Murley's play and a lot of Hassel Collins' play. And you will get an Instagram message very soon um, explaining why, if I still agree with my comment. Um, really is he is mint. There's, uh, mate. Uh, there's nothing. I, I completely fast, understand yeah. that he's mint. I think he's, he's slightly fast. Fast. Yeah, I think he's slightly faster. Oh, I'm going to disagree with you there already. No, Hassel Collins hasn't got that express. I don't think either of them got that express express gas. Neither of them have got Radwan resummit pace. No, no, no. But who does? Apart from me, Radwan and resummit. Johnny May used to. Uh, <laughs> Um, I just think it's an interesting topic because we I know Max Malin's well, we'll maybe talk about that now, got another four tries. Um Well, that's one thing. I think Max Malin's has to be in the team. But he was shit in the Six Nations. So <laughs> Yeah, but were England very good in the Six Nations? No, but in particular, I thought Max Malin's really because I've been calling for Malin's to be in the team for well, at least since all of last year. And he's he really didn't step up at all. He didn't look comfortable anywhere. Didn't make anything. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and also, you say this about Malins, but I think he is the top try scorer in the Prem. He scored four twice this season, I'm pretty sure. So that puts eight of his... I think he scored about 14 tries, something like that. Eight of them have been in two games. Yeah, that is a bit wild, actually. That is a bit wild. Um Moving, moving inside from wingers, though, I think we, we saw the Prem Cup games the other day. Um, I believe it's William Joseph, is it, the, the Wasps centre? Um, uh, not Wasps, sorry, London Irish centre. Um, he looks fantastic. Uh, I think he, I, as far as I'm aware, and if I am wrong, I'm sure I'll be corrected, but Will Joseph uh, plays outside centre usually, uh, the younger brother of Jonathan Joseph, obviously following the oh. same path through. Absolute wheels, absolute footwork, absolute power. He looks like such a top 13. I think it also won't be long until we see him um, come into the fray for that 13 jersey. And then once you've got him playing 13 with Aaron Dow, who's obviously they've come through the academy together um, to play and link up on that on one side, I think, again, looking forward into the future, that's one hell of a partnership that you've got going through that um, those channels. But going back to the game... His older brother might have a word about that, though. <laughs> you reckon? How good would it be to see him both play? 
Well, yeah, but neither of them played well. But Jonathan Joseph might have a, a few words to... I know he hasn't been playing well for Bath or Bath have just been shit in general. But if Bath can get back into some sort of form, he'd probably have a few words about completely writing off his England career just yet. No, I, I completely agree. I like Jonathan Joseph. I think he's a, a great player. And when he, when he has played for England, he's been electric. And we, we've seen a lot of uh, top-class um, rugby from him now. But it does seem that we're coming to the stage now where you've got your your younger guns coming through and focusing on the future. But it wouldn't surprise me at all. World Cup year next year, we see a Jonathan Joseph get back into the team. But I think he will have to do a lot of recovery work um, in terms of his form to get back into that conversation. But again, would not be against it at all because we need a little or, bit of creativity. What like will that. happen is he'll pick D- Elliot Daly despite a form and it doesn't really matter. So Yeah, he ain't playing him actually in his position of 13 though, is he? Oh, he might do. I don't know. I, I've given up on England, really. Probably. It'd be Alfie Barbary, mate. Alfie Barbary, 13, I'm sure. I'd take that. Over what we had in the fucking Six Nations, I'd fucking take that. <laughs> yeah, fair. Absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Um, but yeah, going back to the um, uh, the fixtures of the weekend, I think Wasps had an outside bet. I know I've spoken about it a, a few times. We expect, well, we did not expect by any any stretch Wasps to get into that top four but with a decent run of form and they would have had to have been a perfect run of form going into their last few games. They might have had a chance of uh, sneaking into that top four spot. This draw here has left them in ninth um, outside of the European spots. Going to be tough. The, the thing that may save them is Irish have only got one game to go now. So if Irish win their, their next game and Wasps don't, it puts it into a, a very uh, squeaky bum end to the season for them. And I think they've got Leicester away. So good luck what, to watch on that one. Have Irish fucked their season? Everyone said how well they've done, how good they've been all season, praising Irish, praising Irish. They could well finish ninth here. Surely that is an underachievement for how well they've done. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I agree. Season, and they might not even get European, well, the top European rugby. Well, in the next game week, they've got to go to a fierce bath side. And try and get a win out of them. Um, Who wasps got left? So wasps have got a bye week. No, they don't. They've got sale at home um, in round twenty-five, and then they've got Leicester away in round twenty-six. Um, so, so Leicester rest players, sale of nothing to play for. Essentially, London Irish have to win this game, don't they? Um, yeah, because obviously yeah. losing bonus points are going to come into play as well. Um, they have to win this game against Bath. Uh, to to really cement and the top eight spot in of bounce back from Bath, I guess. Surely. Well, yeah, you can't you you can't be. Um, well, I'd be I'd be incredibly surprised if if I were sixty four nil and put them that way. Um, but we'll see. It'd be it'd be a hell of a. Um, this is the thing. Now we've been talking and banging on about the the top four battle for the last however long, but now the top eight battle is really. It's heating up, and then you look at the top six battle as well. Um, again, going to be a big one. Um, you've got Gloucester and Northampton, which pulled away a bit now, but you've still got Chiefs and Sale. Well, Chiefs, Sale, and Wasps, there's two points that separate them. Um, so that top four is uh, top six is literally anyone's game. And then you've got Bristol, who unfortunately sit 43 points, so a little bit of a buffer away. Uh, but it will be an interesting Can we talk about them, yeah. Um, not a great run out. Not Can't a great run out against Leicester. I just I watched the highlights, so you don't get a clear representation, obviously. But um, not long before we start the podcast, and some of it was nice by Leicester. Most of it was just missed tackles, players out of position. It was just horrible from Bristol. Really horrible. Um, but good from Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's it's as expected. I don't think many people expected Bristol to go. There was a Bristol fan on Twitter. I can't remember, can't remember their name, but they did say they expected to go and get a result out of Leicester. And um, I don't know if that was just blind optimism or if they haven't watched rugby all season. Um, there's one thing getting a result, but then there's another thing just getting absolutely battered off the park. Um, yeah, they were they looked woeful. Um, and that's I think what you really think, James. Yeah, Bristol were bollocks. But I think that's the thing. You look at Gloucester, if they don't get top four this season, which they probably won't, you'd suggest. Um, if if Northampton can get 
a five-point win against Newcastle, you'd suggest it'd be very hard for Gloucester to uh, get top four. Then they have to look back on the last couple of weeks before this one, losing at home to Wasps, who've not been great this season, and then losing away at Bristol. And I know away at Bristol's not easy, but looking at this result and, and this season, those two games you really had to win um, if you want to get top four. And you look at the teams above them, especially the top three, they have just been that much more consistent. And I think that's why they're the top top teams in the league. But yeah, Le- Leicester just did the job, ripped through them, obviously still want to make sure they get top, uh, top of the league. And I've got a home semi-final now, so all good for them. And then we get to the point where I think we get it to Chris Ashton. Let's have this debate. Because he's top try scorer ever now, ever, ever, ever in the press. Oh, good. Always said it. Always said oh, when yeah. he was when he was a free agent. Always said he was going to come back into a top club and do really well. Uh, I don't. I, I don't rate him. Well, I mean, you can't not rate him at the moment. I I don't. He just got hat trick games. Yeah. One Which thing you... I will say, and as a winger, you should be able to appreciate this even more than me. Uh, the one try he scored where he wrapped around the edge of, was it Ben Young's? It might have been Ben Young's, but on the same time, it might not have been Ben Young's. Um, where he had a run, he had a line through the middle. Last second, he curved it and stepped inside, ran back around the outside of Ben Young's, and then Ben Young's popped it back in. That was a textbook Ashton try when he used to be tearing it up for England. Um, and it's stuff like that, the mindset and the, the quick thinking to get that extra movement to then open that up for him. That is top, and that is the sign of a top winger, a top try scorer, and that is why that he's in that in that benchmark with the top try scorers uh, in the Prem. Well, he is the top try scorer in the Prem now, so... He's a pace merchant. He's not just a pace merchant, James. He is a pace merchant. Has he got a step? I've never seen Chris Ashton step in my life. No, well, he's, well, he's not a very steppy player, I suppose. No, he hasn't really got a bump on him. Well, he's got the intelligence, though. He's yeah. got the IQ. He's got the rugby IQ. Um, I might be doing a bit of disservice. I might. I just don't really like him as a player. I think he's. A, uh, I don't think he's very likable, um, and I think that's shown by his career of how he's been kicked out of lots of clubs. Um, also, I do think the top try scorer is a bit of a gimmick because yes. I think the fact you've got Christian Wade sat there about fifteen tries below basically left the sport because it was too easy um when he was 26 and basically coming into his prime uh and pretty much if he'd stayed another year probably would have broken broken it because he was scoring about 18 tries a season at that point um i think so if you think if you think he played if he had played for another six seven seasons he doubles that doubles that number probably uh so i think it's a bit shallow although i did just see something and there's rumors that he might be coming back to rugby because he's been dropped out of the buffalo bills um roster which is the 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 squad and team he was with in the nfl so there's rumors he might he and obviously he's got suitors because he's still only 30 now that's what i mean people forget how young he was when he stepped away he's still only 30 now so so yeah he's he's he could definitely come to a team and do a decent job for them. Um, and for me, he should have played for England. But yeah, was. I agree. I agree on both fronts. I think the try, top try scorer is a little bit of a gimmick. However, to get to the top end of it, I think you have to be a cert. You have to obviously have like people can score tries from just being in the right place at the right time. However, to score that many tries, you need to not only be in the right place at the right time, but you also need to make a lot of your own luck as well to get to those sort of numbers. So I do. And I also say credit to Chris Ashton because he has had a fantastic career. I think a lot of the troubles that he's had over the last couple of years overshadowed just how good he was towards the earlier stage of his career and how promising he was in an England shirt, especially. Um, so credit I to him on that one. As but well, then on, on Wade as well. I think Wade, if he came back in, he'd still be a fantastic asset to a premiership side. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Pace Merchant... It's because, partially as well, I think, his most famous try is probably the one from Australia where we win the ball back and he just sprints the length. Um, that's probably his most famous try, isn't it? Um, yeah, possibly. It. So, and he obviously swan dives under the... I still got nervous every time he swan dived for England. I always thought he was going to drop one on. Um, 
but yeah, okay, I was being a bit harsh. He was he he was a, he's obviously a good player, but I think he may have been slightly overrated by some players, uh, some people. Um, but yeah, Wade was unbelievable. Isn't and probably if he came back and was half the player that he was when he went, that's still nine tries a season. He still he'd still probably overtake <laughs> overtake it within a couple of seasons. <laughs> You'd certainly think so, wouldn't you? You'd certainly think he'd be a, he'd be up there. But um, but no, great great achievement for him. Uh, better still, uh, Leicester Tigers needed a, a convincing win there to keep Saracens at bay. I think to be honest, the other matches were fairly business as usual. Um, a, a convincing win from Saracens over Worcester. Tighter in the Newcastle game, I thought Sale. Was I was going to say that, yeah. Credit to Falcons to keep it. Well, they were leading at half time and then just got beat by a, a couple of late scores. Um, yeah. Oh, well, mid mid of the second half scores uh, to get overturned there. Um, obviously, news coming out today that Van Rensburg leaving Sale as well. We said it's a shame that um, that we didn't really see him that much line up next to Alangi because, again, what a, what a centre pairing that would be. Um, but yeah, credit to Newcastle. A little bit of. Um, I suppose you can look at this both ways, and I don't want to be horrible to Falcons when I say this, but you don't if if you're welcoming Falcons to you as a as a home game, if you're in that top four battle, you expect to be beaten aside like Falcons quite convincingly. Um the fact that it was a real struggle and they had to really fight for that until the end. How much did it say about Shay or how much did it say about Falcons? Um but on the same token, credit to Falcons for keeping the game so close because Sale are a top side and, and Falcons will take sort of courage and confidence from that into next season. Obviously, this season's now right off for them, um, but they can take that into next season and, yeah, really build on those performances. Because we we know Falcons can play well. I mean, we've seen them dismantle top sides and really grind down sides. They just need to to make it more consistent. And even the start of this season, they had a, they had a pretty good... Um, uh, start to the to the season, didn't they? So just need to yeah. see a little bit more consistency from them, and they can be back up in that in that sort of top ten, top eight shell. Have two teams fallen off in a bigger style than I think where Sale and Bristol were last season? They're nowhere near that now. Well, they were my two and three. They uh, sorry, they were my one and two, weren't they? My predictions for one and two this season. They and they've just been nowhere near it. They've got pretty much sim- very similar squads. Um, and I think it'll be interesting next season because I think if you look at the Premiership as a whole, generally teams are getting weaker, not stronger next season um, because of the salary cap deduction. It is going to make most teams weaker or at least they're not strengthened. So you look at Sale, the players they've lost. OK, they've brought in the likes of Johnny Hill, but they're, they're losing Dupriers, they're losing Lou Dejaga, they're losing, um, well, now... Uh, whatever his name is that you just said, Van Rensburg and Faf de Klerk. So they're losing all these players, which, and obviously AJ McGinty. Okay, they've got George Ford going there. Some may say that's an upgrade. For me, it is a probably a slight upgrade, but not, not really major considering the players they're losing. So um, they're probably going to be worse next season. You look at Leicester, they're losing Ford. Um, Al, um, Andre Pollard is he better than Ford based on this season? No. Um, and Ellis Genge, who's been club captain, uh, you look at Wasps are losing players, so True. a lot of these teams are losing players and, and not really bringing any. So it'll be interesting next season to see how if the league does almost so. We've currently got like three top if it either spreads out, which I don't think it will, I think it might even condense even further and you might not even have these teams so spread apart there, there will be literally everyone fighting for the same or nearly everyone fighting for top four they, yeah absolutely and yeah it is going to be incredibly um incredibly tight and I think one of the the biggest ones to watch obviously you look at the the dominance that Leicester have had over the season particularly the first half of it um a lot of that comes down to the the game management of George Ford uh, is Andre Pollard going to come in and, and replicate the same sort of level of standard? Um, obviously, we know he's a top, top flight half, but this season hasn't been great for him. He's played an embarrassingly little amount of games over the previous two or three years. Is he going to come in and be a consistent 10 that, that a team like Tigers need to stay at the top? I we don't know. Um, it'd be an interesting one to watch, wouldn't it? Obviously, losing their captain and Ellis Genge as well. 
Yeah, they're just going to be hoping, surely, that um, Freddie Byrne stays on form because he's been in top form this year. So Yeah, he's been uh, very good. If you look at it as well, so a lot of these clubs, so you'd look at Gloucester, they're probably not got the names in their squad that some of the others have, and they've been doing very well. Leicester, another one. They haven't really got a lot of the big, big, bigger names. Even Saracens, to an extent. I know we say about all their England stars, but if you actually look at a lot of their players that have been playing regularly this season, they're not as flashy as they have been in previous years. Um, so I think it is some of these, where you look at Sale, um, Bristol and Bath, who've got some of these bigger names, and they've just not, well, and, and Wasps as well, just not really been performing at the same level. So, And I think now the salary cap's come in, these teams which have some some of these players who were, who aren't quite the big names, they'll probably thrive with this. And, and they've built real pro- good squads, Um with with slightly smaller players, you'd say smaller players, um, and that now they seem to be thriving off it. Bath, another one where they had a, a rafter of, of um, internationals, and it's just not worked for them. No, I agree, and it will be incredibly interesting to see how we fare, especially in Europe. Um, before we move on to our European predictions to end the pod, um, big congratulations to England's women's um, rugby. Uh, obviously just won the Grand Slam in their Six Nations. So huge tie, um, a huge uh, uh, congratulations to them. What a great result uh, going forward. Um, but European rugby, uh, time for a few predictions, don't you think? Yeah, um, probably. We'll go through them fairly quickly. As we know, we, we pro- primarily focus on the Prem, um, but I'm sure we'll be tuning in to... what we're talking about with the other leagues. <laughs> yeah, also true. Also true. So we'll start off with Champions Cup. We'll go Racing versus Sale. I personally think Racing will just have way too much, especially in the back line for this Sale team. I think we alluded to this last week. Sale, on their day, they've got the players that, bloody hell, you don't want to play them on one game. Because um, if all their players turn up, they've got potentially one of the most dangerous squads in the world. But they've not been playing well, as we just said about the Newcastle result. If you can only beat Newcastle by six points, you went better than Rassin away. So, Rassin. Yeah, fair. I'm, I'm in full agreement there. Uh, Montpellier versus La Rochelle. I think Montpellier have looked very good, but you never know who they're going to field. Um, I'm going to go for La Rochelle. Yeah, I think I'll go for La Rochelle. They were really dominant in the last round, really impressed me. And Montpellier conceded too many points. I know they scored a lot, but I think against this La Rochelle team, you're not going to score as many. Uh, and I think Montpellier will still concede. So, yeah, fair blues, fair dues. Um, Toulouse versus Munster. I think Toulouse will love it. I think difficult one. Munster are finding some form in recent weeks, and it's a difficult place to go. Why not? I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go Munster. Toulouse didn't look good in the last round at all, so I'm going to go Munster. Fair news, fair dues, decent shout. Uh, Leicester versus Leinster. That's the one in it. That is the game. It's the big one. Um, I'm gonna go Leinster. Yeah, yeah. Just... I'm gonna do the same. I think even though Leicester have been massively dominant this year, um, I think Leinster are just a fantastic, arguably a perfectly balanced team. So um, yeah, well, I, I'll go for them. They're the Irish national team, aren't they? Basically, yeah, more or less. So yeah, a great side, and I think that'll really be a proper proper battle. Um, also, some good uh, Challenge Cup games coming this weekend. Feels like much more than a Challenge Cup tournament with the, the state of the sides that are still in here. Got some real powerhouses. Um, Leon versus Glasgow. I didn't even go for Leon. I think they're arguably the. Well, I don't think they're even arguably the the Challenge Cup favourites. I think they're they'll be uh, favourites alongside Saracens to to go on and win it. So I'll go for for Leon. Um, against Glasgow, Leon. Um, I don't really know. Where is it? Is it in France? Actually, not sure to be honest. Because if it's in France, you're probably back. Um, you're probably back Leon. But it is. You say Leon, are, Leon are only fifth in top fourteen. They've got a good side though, and they've got some serious players. So that's why I'm going for them personally. Yeah. Glasgow. I don't. I don't know who's in the Glasgow team nowadays. To be honest. Um, yeah, let's go for Leon. I still think Sarri's a heavy favourite though for this tournament. No trouble. I, I, yeah, I think. Uh, I think probably, but I think Leon will be 
up there, definitely up there. Um, Edinburgh versus Wasps. I think Edinburgh myself, but again, similar to, similarly to Sale, Wasps on any given day with the state of their team can go out and do a serious job on someone. Yeah, well, yeah, as we said a minute ago, they've got one of the best, uh, one of the best squads in the league. Um, they've just not been performing well at all. So, yeah, um, difficult, difficult, difficult. I'm going to go for in Edinburgh or in Wasps. Well, not in Wasps, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it is at Edinburgh. I'm going to go Wasps. Why okay. not? Just to be a bit different, a bit different. Um, all English affair, lost the Saracens at King's Home. See, hmm... Gloucester did Sarries in that by one point, didn't they? At Sarries, yeah. I think Sarries will be targeting this. They think it's. Pro- I reckon they'll think right. If we get past Gloucester, we'll probably win this tournament. Um, I think arguably Gloucester are actually the one of the hardest opponents left. Um, I'm gonna back Gloucester at home, and then I think. Spoilers for a couple of weeks, but I think then Sarri's come to Gloucester in a few weeks and beat them in the league. Yeah, I, I was thinking exactly the same, to be honest. Um, I also don't think Saracens are going to go full noise for this one, um, but we will wait and see. Um, you said about Edinburgh, sorry, quickly. Edinburgh are only eighth in the champ- in the Pro 14 or Pro 16 or whatever the hell it's called nowadays. Oh, that's a bit wild, actually. I thought they were higher than that. But, um, but yeah, I'm sticking yeah. with them regardless. Okay. Um, and finally, Toulon versus London Irish. I actually think London Irish will go for this one properly, and they'll target this as what they want to do now. And I think they'll. Um, I think they might do a job on Toulon. Irish at home. Uh, no, it's in Toulon. Ooh. See, if it's Irish at home, I definitely back Irish. Yeah, it's but a tough one. Toulon is is tricky game. Tricky game. I'm just going to disagree with you because then we've covered all bases and one of us is right, so I'll go too long. <laughs> as good a reason <laughs> as any. That's that's the type of uh, high-level analysis and in, yeah, uh, insight we have on this podcast. We disagree <laughs> on every game. We'll get 100% right. <laughs> that's it. Teamwork. Teamwork. Um, but I will definitely be glued to the telly. I believe all of the Challenge Cup games are also on BT this weekend, so you can watch yeah, any yeah, of the yeah. European fixtures. So... Um, so yeah, if you can't get yourself to the games, tune in on BT Sport. Um, yeah, and get involved. There's going to be some mega fixtures. Who doesn't love a bit of knockout rugby? Um, so yeah, enjoy your weekend of rugby, and we'll see you all for the next one. Bye bye.